Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Let Me Tell You. Now, here's Joan Hamburg. Welcome to Let Me Tell You, our original podcast, and we've got a real treat today. Melissa Clark, one of the wonderful New York Times food writers, cookbook author, and columnist. By the way, this woman has written over 40 cookbooks and won every award is visiting, and she really assures me that home cooks, even if you're not experienced, you can learn, you can make fabulous food. In fact, she's become the voice for the home cook when anyone talks to her or interviews her. I love her books, and I love her recipes. She really makes it sound easy that you can put things together without a lot of effort, that now you've got mozzarella and tomatoes, you've got cucumbers and peaches, and even easy main dishes. She knows how to use shrimp and a lot of ingredients that people have. She gave me one of the great hints for feta cheese from following her, and every time I make one of her recipes, it really works. So come on along, and you're going to enjoy it. It's Melissa Clark with Joan Hamburg. Stay right there. You know, we have had so much company in the last few weeks that I am kitchened, cooked, recipied out it was endless, and it was great. I loved it, but it was still three meals a day. And when I came back to the city, I said, I got to call Melissa Clark. I can't take this. She's got something easy. I know Melissa Clark is one of the best food writers, cookbook authors, New York Times columnist, She's gotten multiple awards from James Beard, from the International Association of Culinary Professionals. I see her on TV. I see her everywhere. And she makes it look like we can all do it. And we probably can all do it because we have her. You know, and it's interesting when you, well, your household was very foodie, right? Your parents liked food and ran a good kitchen. Absolutely. We were, somebody was always cooking. Which is great. And you were part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, you know, it was, that was part of it was that it was, we were all in the kitchen all the time. So we divided up the labor, which was really nice. You know, getting your family involved makes it easier on you, the cook, when you have other people keeping you company and then doing half the work. Did you do that too in your family? Yeah, as much as I could. Yeah, we really, you know, and um, now my daughter is the number one salad maker in the house. So oh, you're we, we have yeah. <laughs> we've divided it up. Yep. Which is great. 
But it is amazing because when you started out very young and, you know, I think I've told you in the past, I also went to Barnard College and um, I don't know if Melissa knew then she was going to grow up to be Melissa Clark, but she was involved <laughs> in history and English. And you wrote about food in Don Quixote as your thesis. My thesis was, where's American architecture going? So much for that. <laughs> well, I have to admit, I haven't reread Don Quixote in maybe three years, but you know. <laughs> it's funny when you, when you think back, but you started after school when you were just starting out as a writer and you actually wrote and got published. Yeah, you know, I was, it was funny, Joan, because I was, you know, you, you can remember this time. Remember that moment at the beginning of that thing called the internet where they were all, there was a big need for writers, for right. content providers. And, um, I was able to do that. I was able to get in right at the beginning of that. Um, I also wrote for print publications, but it was an, ex it was this whole new thing. It was a whole new space and place for writers to express themselves. And for me, the thing I always knew I wanted to write about was food. You know, I came out of Barnard, I went to Columbia, I did an MFA in writing, but every story that I told, everything I wrote, I just always brought it back to food because it was my obsession and my passion. Mm -hmm. And it was a second language for you. You understood it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so when I, and you know, it's thrilling to be able to have been, you know, I started out writing about food. I wrote about trends and restaurants. I wrote about chefs. Um, but then to be able to move into recipes, which is now, you know, primarily what I do, which yeah. is very, um, that was thrilling too, because it was learning, well, okay, I love to cook, but how do I create recipes that other people want to cook? And so that was the next frontier for me. And, um, and that's, you know, mostly what I do, making sure that people like you, when you're, you know, you're tired of the guests, you've had so many, you've been cooking and cooking, but, but you still have to feed yourself, right? So how can I help? How can I like get... Um, people who are a little bit, you know, whether you're burnt out on cooking for the moment or you're you're facing a house full of guests and you have to get breakfast, lunch, and dinner on the table. Um, I love to just be there to be. And, you, and you know how to do, you know how to do it. But it was also interesting that you started working at restaurants, and that too is a very complicated career. So while you worked in front of house restaurants, jobs. Were you selling stuff freelance too? Yeah, I was. So, um, you know, re restaurants are complicated. They're really hard. Um, if you are not passionate, you can be passionate about food, but also not be passionate about working in a restaurant because it is very, I found it very physically difficult. Um, the hours were very late. I'm a morning person. <laughs> you know, it, was a, it wasn't yeah. a good lifestyle for me. Um, but, you know, it was good for me while I was starting out because it was a great way to make money and um, a great way to also, you know, I got to learn a lot about um, about food as well and about the restaurant business in New York. So that was that was a great experience. But ultimately, it wasn't something that I could see doing for the rest of my life. No, but you also understood that the home cook really sometimes needs a lot of hand-holding. And you provided that for so many of us over the years. That is the number one thing that I love to do. I love to be able to um, get 
anybody through a recipe, you know, no matter your, what your cooking skill is, what your, what level of cook you are, whether you're like a really accomplished cook, or maybe you're a more timid cook, or you're just starting out, I want to be able to create a recipe that, that meets you where you are. And that gets something delicious on the table. You know, even like right now, I mean, it's all about tomatoes and corn for me. So maybe the recipe is a really simple tomato and corn salad, you know, and it's maybe you put a little basil, some mozzarella or some goat cheese. Super simple, but the most beautiful thing you can eat. Or for someone who is more advanced, you know, you can take those same flavors, but you can add shrimp or chicken or, or just make it into, you know, something a little more advanced. But no matter where, what kind of cook you are, I want to be able to get a recipe to you. And that is, you know, exactly. And at NYT Cooking, that's absolutely what we focus on. You know, we give us your, tell us what you want to cook and we're going to get you the recipe that's going to get you there. And you do, you know, I was at someone's home recently and always said it's a beautiful table. And she said, I'm going to make a simple lunch sandwiches. And it was ripe tomatoes on a really good white bread, a delicious white bread with a little arugula and mayonnaise. It was like so delicious, you know, tomato on white bread. It was great. Isn't it amazing when you can just do that in summertime when the tomatoes are so good? And of course, you have to know where to get the good bread. I mean, that's essential, like you said. And then putting it together, um, you know, once you have those good ingredients, the bread, the mayo, the ripe tomatoes, a little arugula, then that becomes that, you know, is really, it, it, it makes the sandwich makes itself almost, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you've set it up and then it just makes itself. Um, that's the joy of summertime cooking, I think. Right. And, you know, now that we have just a couple more weeks left of summertime, when you have company, do you do a big deal or you go back to simple? Um, you know, I always, whenever I have company, I do what I think is simple. And then my husband's like, that wasn't so simple. <laughs> <'Cause> he's, not, <laughs> he's the one who's cleaning up at the end with me, you know. But I mean, I, because I, I love, I love simple food. I love simple flavors. But what I also like to do is I like to make a lot of different things. And that to me is fun. So, Everything I make is simple, you know, you know, tomato, corn, maybe I'll, I'll roast some zucchini and eggplant um, with a little bit of um, one of my favorite things to do is to roast zucchini and eggplant. And then I make a really simple dressing with olive oil, garlic, mint, and a little mm. bit of fish sauce just to give it that extra umami. And I'll, and it's just so good and simple. But I'll, you know, and then I'll make something else and I'll keep making these little dishes that I love because I just think they're so fun to, to have and showcase all the great summer produce that we have. But then it ends up being a lot of work because I keep doing it. But, you know, that's me. Not everybody has to do that. You can stop at two or three dishes instead of baking six or seven. Right. Well, that's why people love to come to your house. Do you, when you buy shrimp, most shrimp is frozen, right? So it's sort of tasteless. Yeah, it's really hard to find a fresh shrimp. But they're they're better friends. But there's shrimp that have been frozen um, that are more high quality. Um, what you're looking for, you're really when you're buying shrimp, you really want to try to find if you can wild shrimp, and you want to make sure that it's. Um, you want to look at the package ingredients and make sure it hasn't been frozen with any preservatives in it. Um, you really want to just look for the, the ingredients should just be shrimp, and that can be hard to find. But then you're going to get a better quality seafood. Well, and you know. 
in uh, one of your columns and in something that someone sent me, because I just, we made zucchini pancakes last weekend and we had a lot of feta, but it was too intense. And then you had a suggestion, which I had never done, you know, take the feta and soak it in fresh water for an hour or two, and that will really make it very usable. Oh, absolutely. Did you try it? That works so well. It because, makes you know, when a you buy, big difference. Yeah. You know, when you buy feta, you know how often it comes in a thing of liquid, right? Right. That liquid is salt water. It's brine. So it is just mm. so salty. It can be, depending on the level of salt that they put in there. But if you just take this feta out and you soak it in plain water, it leaches the salt out. And it really it makes it creamier. It really helps. I do that kind of as a matter of course whenever I buy feta i always you know i buy it i taste it and then if it's too salty you know before i even put it in the fridge i put it in a container of fresh water by the way i love the time story on upside down cake because it's really interesting there's a manicurist a top manicurist at a salon in new york partali salon and they're a cooking baking family and they make pineapple upside down cake like I make a scrambled egg. It means nothing to them. And they have this gorgeous pineapple, cherry, just melting in your mouth. And then I read this whole thing in the Times about these upside down cakes with peaches and apricots and a fantastic cake. Do you bake a lot? I do. And upside down cakes, I agree with you. They're just such a great use of summer fruit. I mean, the peaches right now have been amazing oh, in the Northeast. So good. So you can make it with peaches. You can make it with, you know, of course, pineapple is the classic. Another thing is great um, is berries. You know, people don't think of a berry upside down cake, but it works really well. Um, and berries are available all year round. And you can also use frozen berries and those work, too. Yeah, it sounds so good. Do you have a favorite people are coming end of season that you make or you experiment all the time? You know, one of my favorites is um, I always like the recipes that I just came up with. Like I love my newest recipes because they're they're, you know, they're exciting to me. Um, so one of the ones that I just came up with, which is at NYT cooking right now, is skillet chicken with fresh corn and it's just such a great end of season recipe because of the corn it's just and it's easy you can do it in under you know under 45 minutes and it's just it's an unusual way to get a one pot meal that just takes advantage of fresh summer corn chicken and lots and lots of herbs and i forgot i remember reading that but how do you season the chicken so that it really has a taste well, you know, that's a good point. I always season my chicken ahead because the longer you let it sit in a little bit of salt, garlic, and thyme, which is what I use for this, it absorbs the flavors. It really takes on the flavors. So if you can season your chicken, I mean, honestly, a couple of hours ahead is ideal, but even 20 minutes ahead is going to make a difference. It's going to let that chicken absorb the flavor. You know, it's interesting. I made something I haven't done in years. I made a simple roast chicken in a pot and it was just salt, pepper, rosemary and it sat in that for hours and then I added a little tiny broth at the bottom and cooked it 
I can't tell you how delicious that chicken was with nothing but rosemary, ah. salt, and pepper. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I mean, especially if you're starting with a good chicken and you let it sit in that rosemary, salt, and pepper for a while, it's just going to take, I mean, that's heaven, right? Chicken with rosemary is mm. the best. It's the best. Thank you. I love talking to you, Melissa. We'll talk again. Have Absolutely. a great rest of summer. Melissa Clark, you can read her in the Times all the time, every week. And she makes me want to cook. And that's what counts a lot, when you can translate what's written on the page to you standing in your kitchen and making something special. All the best to you and your family. Great to talk to you, Joan. Bye-bye. Take care. I'm Joan Hamburg. That was Melissa Clark. We have lots more after this.